Since the dawn of civilization, humans have endeavored to become stronger and faster. From the invention of the wheel to today, history is replete with men and women who have applied innovation to fitness. But in the past 50 years, while millions have made livings in this industry, a select few have taken that passion to the highest level, creating brands and products known across the globe. Today we celebrate these pioneers, for they are the gym class heroes. So, uh... All right, well, welcome everybody to Gym Class Heroes. Today's episode, we are talking with Ron Hemmelgarn. Uh, and, uh, Ron, we're excited to have you on the show today. Well, I'm excited to be on the show. <laughs> Excellent. So, Ron, you are one of the people who we were really inspired by when we came up with this idea of Gym Class Heroes because this industry is full of entrepreneurs. It's full of people who had an idea and saw it through. Uh, and I think that the people who work in fitness are the kind of people who are entrepreneurial and make things happen because they're not people who sit around on their ass. They are people who, who move and get going. Um, tell me, tell us, uh, take us a little bit on your journey. How did you get started? And I know you have a number of companies you've been involved with and built and, and sold and built again. Tell us a, a brief history of your experience in the gym industry. Well, my experience in the in the fitness area came in 1980 or 1967, and basically it was a, sort of a an accident. Uh, I was working out in the gym in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, basically the place was falling apart. The nuts and the bolts were falling off the machines and so on. And I went to the manager, and I said, "Gosh, I says, you got to fix this equipment. Somebody's going to get hurt on it." And he said, what do you want to do? I said, yeah, I'll do it. So next thing you know, I hire in as a as a maintenance man and, a, and sort of a janitorial. And I could clean the toilets better than anybody else and fix the nuts and bolts and whatever. And that's basically how I got in the fitness business itself. Uh, I had, uh, from a young age, uh, I worked out and, and uh, did a lot of boxing uh, when I was in like seventh, eighth grade and so on. And a friend of mine uh, had a boxing ring in his garage and basically every night we'd after school we'd go and box and so on and then typical uh, about 110 pound weight set and working out with that and so on and so basically going through high school uh, did uh, workouts and uh, uh, after high school I joined a gym there in Dayton which was Holiday Health Club and uh, started and next thing you know I was in there tightening nuts and bolts and cleaning toilets and uh, just doing odds and ends and so on and because I was always there at the gym and working out and so on next thing you know I'm instructing people uh, how to work out and uh, basically I basically fell in love with the business that was awesome you really didn't have to get dirty you instructed people uh, how to work out you uh, you heard every uh, joke uh, that was out on the street that that month and uh, a lot of fun. You never got dirty. My father was a, a automobile or truck mechanic, and so he came home from work every night and he was always dirty and grease and grime and so on. And I found a job that really you didn't get dirty. Uh, you you basically had a good time and and basically um, uh, laughing. Um, me 
meeting great friendships. You knew everybody uh, uh, in the club and what they did. If you needed a TV, you knew somebody that sold TVs and you'd get a great deal. If you needed a set of tires, you knew somebody in the club that sold tires, you'd get a great deal. So it was, it was a dream come true to have a job like that. And, and basically my background from a young age uh, the more service she gave a person, uh, the more tips she would get. And basically, uh, that's how it grew. And uh, I just, I've always had a job that I've enjoyed, so it's never really been work. It's actually been a hobby. So I've always uh, enjoyed the members, and I think it's the greatest job in the world to uh, uh, be around those members. And uh, like I say, you have a lot of fun with them. Yeah. What were you doing that you got, you were working for tips as a kid? Well, it's crazy. I've always had that drive, ambition, and it really started out uh, right before I started to first grade. And uh, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, in the east side of Dayton, Ohio, and we had all the houses were side by side, and we had an alley behind um, the house. And uh, one day, the junk man was... Uh, had a junk cart and he was pushing it had big steel wheels on it and he would go through everybody's trash and pick up magazines and newspapers and metal and anyway he came down the alley and I was in the backyard playing and I started asking him questions simply by asking what are you doing why are you taking that and the, the man said that that's how he made money he would take that and, and scrap it and he made his money by picking up magazines and and newspapers and scrap metal and so on. So I never forgot that. Well, the next thing you know, he was making money. Uh, I went around the front door because I knew all the neighbors and around the block. And I asked them if I could have their newspapers and their magazines. Uh, and I would pick them up with my coaster wagon. And, and that's what I did. I went around the block and picked it up and brought it back home. And then uh, every month or so, my dad would take it to this to the scrapyard and get money for it. And the truth is known, probably, he didn't even make enough money. Uh, we didn't make enough money to uh, from the scrap to even pay for the gas bill, but he never shot that down. He allowed me to do that at a very young age. And then from there, at eight and a half years old, I started delivering newspapers, and I delivered newspapers to I was 16 years old. And um, actually, during that time, I built my route up to 100 customers and had to split the route. Uh, and so I sold off a half of those customers, and then I built it back up, and I did that three different times. So, uh, entrepreneur. Now, what, with that, uh, I really learned, learned again, with the coaster wagon, uh, taking the newspapers, and I would put the newspapers behind the door. So, uh, typically, the other guys that deliver newspaper, they just throw it up on the porch, you know, and, and some of it end up in the yard. My customers, they opened up their front door, and there was their paper. Uh, behind the screen door. And so my tips became more than I was making, uh, actually uh, uh, delivering newspapers. I made more in tips than I did actually off the newspaper itself. And I learned that they give a person more than they expect, they will give you back more than you expect. And so I learned at a very young age that service was so important to put those papers behind the door. And I did very, very well. And I guess that's why I delivered newspapers to us 16 years old. Also, during that time, about 12 years old, I started setting bowling pins in the evening. And so bowling is a game of rhythm. And the most important thing that they get the ball back uh, right away so they can set up to bowl again because it's 
it's a rhythm thing. And if you're going to have a good game, you want to have the ball right back so you can set up and, and bowl again. So I would jump lanes. So I'd set a league and I'd jump lanes from one to the other and back and, and so on. And so I learned that, again, given great service, get the ball back right away. Get Pick the pins up, put them back into the racket, and uh, re-rack the, the pins and so on. So what would happen is, is when the team would have a good um, – and usually they bowled three different three games uh, in their uh, league. And if they had a good uh, session, they would actually take change and just throw it down the lane. So we'd be like rats crawling up the lane, uh, gathering up all the money. There was half dollars and silver dollars and quarters and whatever, but they'd literally take their money out of their pocket and throw all the change down the lane and pick it up. So I learned, again, young age, I could set a, a I could set one up for 10 cents per game, or I could give them great service, get the ball back, they can have a great game, and then I would end up getting dollars worth of change instead of 10 cents a game. So again, great service led to great income. And then, well, so I'm wondering how do you, so when you you leave high school, you go to work in this gym. You say, "Hey, I'll fix it." I mean, clearly the the work hard, the the work ethic is is built in there. Yes. Um, but so where do you, where do you become the entrepreneur here in the in the fitness industry? Where do you take that and say, uh, "I'm working for some guy, some guy, and I'm cleaning his stuff. There's, I can do something bigger than this." Well, once again, everything that I've ever tackled in my life. I wanted it to be the best that there could be. So obviously when I started uh, in the gym business, I was familiar with working out because I had done that you know, all through high school and so on. But the there were so many people that was, had more talent than I had. The only difference was they never dug for the gold. They just tried to get to surface and then they'd get frustrated and they'd leave and they'd quit and whatever. With me, I was appreciative of everything that happened to me, and I took pride in everything I did, and I worked very, very hard. I was persistent. I'm determined. I'm very goal-oriented. I wanted to go from being an instructor to an assistant manager, from assistant manager to manager. I wanted to own my own clubs, with, and I didn't have much money, but I had the desire. I had the ability. And I took everything I had and basically bought some bankrupt clubs. And from that, it began to, to, to grow. Uh, again, my whole theory is give people more than they expect. And if you give people more than they expect, you end up uh, reaping a reward. So that's what I basically did. Where was the first time that you saw a void in the industry and that you filled it? I mean, was that your first, um, your first business? Yes. In other words, the, the the void has always, all through my life, the void has always been there. In other words, people not giving 110% to their job, you know, they might be given 75%, might be given 80%, might be given 65%, but very few people that I saw ever gave 110% uh, to their job uh, and to their career. So it really... Um, it, <laughs> It sort of was there, in other words, with the lack of performance of others, uh, it opened a door for me to move into those um, opportunities. It's like taking over bankrupt health clubs. 
did a lot of them, hundreds of them. And basically, the only thing that was really missing in the clubs was the service. Uh, you know, so basically, I would have our system in that would be a service-oriented, giving people more than they expect, keeping things affordable. Because, again, I grew up with no money, and so I know what it's like to pinch pennies and really not have much income. But my parents didn't make a lot of money, and so um, every day you had to conserve and, and so on. And that's what we did as far as running the facility. I mean, I used to... Uh, go crazy if somebody bought an eraser for five cents, uh, you know, and so I would keep everybody under the gun. They can't waste money. And then to keep everybody under the gun that they have to give great service, great service, great service. It's not the biggest and the best facility that wins. It's whoever gives the best, best uh, service is the guy that's going to win because he gets all those renewals day after day, week after week, month after month, and the people keep returning and so on. So that was our knack. That's what we had the um, ability to do, and we could go into any market and mm -hmm. and basically do that. Uh, so talk to me about how you replicated that. What, what, the name of this business was which? Oh, there was a lot of different ones. A business that we started was Spa Lady. Uh, lady, right. in the States and uh, did well. Basically, there was a void in the ladies' market. Um, saw that, kept it very, very affordable. Uh, we would actually, our model, our business model was basically going into the cities that European health clubs were in because that was sort of the, the king dog at that time. And so we would go in and basically try to get as close as we could to them, either across the street, next door, whatever, and we'd open up facilities. The facilities we had were not as big uh, as European House Spa. However, our service was far greater because there was a lot of discontent uh, people. The, the owners weren't running the clubs. It was just people hired to run the club. So we, we found a real niche as far as just going in and giving a, a product that was very, very good at a low price and um, giving great service. And, and that's how it, it started out uh, w with the spa ladies. Uh, we used to have alternate clubs. And again, once again, go in, take them over, uh, give good service and uh, make sure everything's fixed and running properly and nothing's broken. And so when you do that, yeah, you're going to get the rewards because what's great about it is, and I've always said that that problems actually are opportunities. And in case of taking over a club that is ready to close its doors, that's a real opportunity because anything you do is far greater than what the person who was running it before was doing. So instantly through your service and maintenance of the facilities, opened up a great door and they go, wow, this is great. You guys are doing a great job. So it was, it was so much more rewarding than when you open up a brand new club. A brand new club, anybody can open that up. We see that today. Every, you know, I mean, there's health clubs in every corner. All you gotta do, it's new. But once new, it's gone. New's a wonderful brand, but once the new is gone, then it goes down to, again, the service and, and the cleanliness and the re keeping equipment repaired and whatever. That is the real uh, trick to the business, not open a facility. Anybody can open a facility. They got some money, they can buy equipment, they can put it in a, in a, in a, a room, and you see those companies come and go constantly. It's just, it's a revolving door. And, uh, but the real trick 
is if you can take one and, and maintain it and run it for years and years and years um, and keep your membership base high, that's the, I think, is the real talent that's involved. Gotcha. I'm ne- yeah, I'm never, uh, never impressed with uh, clubs that open up and have a great grand opening. It's, it's new as a great brand. Yeah, gotcha. So you build that, you build Spot Lady up, you, you take all these bankrupt facilities, you turn it mm-hmm. into something big, mm-hmm. and, and, and then you just grow it and sell it, and that's your first big step? Yeah, it's basically you grow it, and next thing you know, I mean, you're not even looking to sell it. Say so your approach to would you be interested in in uh, uh, selling, and then one thing leads to another. Next thing you know, you 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 sell it. Uh, with myself, I've always now I'll always be in the business some way or another uh, to the day I die. And the only reason is is because it's my hobby. It's what I enjoy. I right. you know when I show up uh, at work. It's it's not work. It's a hobby. It's what's a lot of fun. Right. So so you sell. From what I understand, you know your your history. You you sold uh, Spot Lady, and then mm-hmm. what do you do after you sell Spot Lady? What are you doing? I, I know you got back into the industry a couple years down the line. Mm-hmm. What are you doing during that time? And what what brings oh, up the next phase yeah. of your business life? Well, for, for me, I never sold everything. I've got, I've mm-hmm. got, uh, you know, I, I had other fitness centers that I didn't sell and so on. So I just run those fitness centers and so on. And then I have a lot of other businesses that, that I run, whether it's leasing companies or finance companies and some real estate and whatever. And so I got a lot of stuff to keep me busy day in and day out. And I'm a, and I'm a dreamer. I, you know, I think of things and I dream of things. And, um, and then I pursue them. And so when you're constantly in pursuit, uh, you never run out of things to do. So often in, in that I've seen in business period, whether it's, it's uh, running a restaurant or running a health club, is when they quit dreaming, that's when it starts to go downhill. When they're constantly not working, not putting the effort in, not checking their business, not talking to their customers, whatever, that's when the business trails. So the history of our business has been uh, uh, they start up, they're doing real, real well. the people that started it, ran it, whatever, all of a sudden they go on vacation, and all of a sudden they're letting their possessions possess them instead of just go to work every day and, and keep putting forth an effort. So I'm not that kind of person. I work every day. I enjoy working every day. It's my hobby. And and so I guess that's what keeps me all motivated day in and day out is that that uh, it's not work. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. What... Um what uh, you you talked a little bit about how the industry's changed? How's the industry changed, and what do you think is interesting about the industry now compared to where it was when you started? Oh well, well, number one, the equipment itself. I think the equipment manufacturers have done a phenomenal job, state of the art, very well engineered, beautiful placards on their equipment, how to use it properly, and so on. I got to give a I got to give a, a a lot of credit to all the equipment manufacturers. Years ago, there was a lot of junk on the market. Years ago, we used to have to manufacture a lot of our own equipment to you know to to, to build it. Today, the equipment companies have done an unbelievable job to for safety and uh, to um, uh, get the best results for the the the, the customer. 
Um, you know, the what's going on now with all this craziness of sledgehammers hitting on tractor tires and whatever, I'm totally against it. There's too many injuries. I, it worries me that people are getting hurt exercising. And because it's all called exercising, it's all called I'm going to the gym. And when they're doing dislocations of shoulders and whatever, it's a very scary time because there's a lot of people being injured. And I'm really worried that someday this could end up creating some legislation uh, in the, with medical uh, because of the, the damages that are being done. But as far as myself, I stay right to the basics of the business. Uh, I buy the very best equipment I can. I keep my eye on all equipment. I try all equipment and the very best what the members like. It's not what I like. It's what the members like is what I buy. And all the manufacturers are just doing a fantastic job to uh, give our members the best, very best workout in the safest environment. Gotcha. What would you say, looking uh, looking back on your success, and I mean, here you were, obviously working for tips as a kid, you get a job right out of high school, you're working at a gym. When did you know that you were on to something big, whether it was you had an idea or there was just something that you realized, I'm no longer just somebody who's working at a gym. I've done something, boy, impressive that I think has momentum. Well, it actually began, again, as I was an instructor. I really, really enjoyed what I was doing. It was clean. It was a lot of fun. You laughed every minute of the day. You, uh, you, you acquired great friendships with all those members. And I knew right then that I wanted to be in that environment. I did not want to be a truck mechanic like my father and come home with grease and grime on me day in and day out. Uh, it was an environment I was very used to. The more service I gave a person, the more appreciative they were. And and so I knew then. Now, the only obstacle I had uh, at that time was I didn't have a lot of money to go out and to build a facility. So when an opportunity came to take over a facility, uh, that's when I started. That was hard. It was a lot of hours and uh, uh, a lot of responsibility. And all I did is took the basic skills that I had uh, growing up as a kid and, and doing all the odd jobs that I did, and also the, the um, lessons I learned from my parents as far as um, being honest and, and, and live with enthusiasm and be disciplined and determined and, and don't worry about the problem, but solve the problem. I mean, it's, there's, problems are opportunities. And so when I would take over a club, it was an opportunity. It wasn't a problem. Most people wouldn't even look at it, only for the fact it was a lot of work. So, you know, all those things you learn as a kid. And I was very blessed not to ever have an allowance. Everything I ever did in my life was what I earned. And I'm glad my parents did that and never gave me uh, allowance. What they gave me was knowledge. And, and uh, um, that paid off big time for me uh, as life went on and so on. So, gosh... Uh, at the very beginning, like I say, shaking hands and, and uh, laughing and uh, giving good service, I knew right then this was my profession. Gotcha. Uh, could I have ever imagined uh, back then that I would be where I'm at? No, there's no way you could, you could ever visualize that. 
but it was just one step at a time, one step at a time. You know, you, you, a baby has to learn to crawl before they can stand, and they got to walk before they can run, and that's basically what business is. You've got to go through all the phases. Yeah, which leads to my next question, which is a, a two-fold question. What's your luckiest moment in the industry that's led to where you are, and what's your worst decision? We'll start with the positive. What was your luckiest moment? Well, my luckiest moment in life was actually winning the Indy 500 in 1996, because that was <laughs> a dream that I had from a very young age, and I focused on it. And it's a way I built my business uh, uh, from a, uh, a kid uh, in Ohio to internationally known. I actually did it through racing. So, I, you know, the, the best thing was obviously winning the Indy 500 because it's the largest spectator event in the world. And I'm one of few that actually have won that event. So, you know, now how does that tie into fitness? It's only because it was a marketing thing for the fitness. And that was a tough, tough uh, goal to achieve, but I did it. So I guess if I look at everything, that's probably my luckiest uh, decision. Uh, if I look back farther back, my luckiest was getting an opportunity to get a job in the fitness business. That was my luck. That I got a job working in a club in Dane, Ohio, and found that my love for the business became my hobby for the business that have never had a bad day uh, in the business. So, gotcha. you know, getting the opportunity probably was my lucky day because I could have ended up in some other profession that I hated, you know. But basically, I think probably getting that opportunity to go to work in, in a fitness center. That was my, uh, you know, best day Lucky. on that. Yeah. So let's hear, the, let's hear the, let's recap the worst part. What was your worst decision you made? You know, when I look back, I really haven't had any bad days. They've all, you know, one day might be better than the rest, but I can't, I, I really can't honestly say, uh, did I have a bad decision because the decisions I have uh, are well thought out. Uh, the decisions I have, you aren't going to win every game, every day, and you can't dwell on a loss, you dwell on uh, a win. And so uh, I can't say that I really had any bad days. Uh, mm -hmm. Some's better than others and so on, but uh, gosh, you know, I, 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 I guess uh, shaking hands with a thief, that's a bad day. You, did, you thought he was an honest person, but, but you find out he's a thief later on. I guess that's, that would be considered a bad day. But, again, I learned to use those as learning experiences, which makes me better as the years go on. And, and uh, unfortunately, we run across these people uh, uh, throughout our life, and they're good talkers. And you uh, do uh, business deals. You do them on a handshake, and you find out, wow, this person isn't honest. But... My great, I guess my happiness comes from that because later on in life they're going to fail. And, uh, and, and so the best revenge is just watching what happens to them, living that lifestyle that they live. So, like I say, I, but I can't really say I have, I've, I've had bad days. I mean, obviously when my mother died or my father died, that was a bad day. But as far mm -hmm. as business, it's, it's all learning experiences. You know, I, I went to school and I got F's on papers and I got A's on papers. And it's all learning experiences. And, and if you dwell on the bad, you're going to have a lot of bad. But if you dwell on the good, you're going to have good. 
you do a business deal, you're not going to hit a home run every time. But you will hit the, you will hit a home run more times than you'll strike out if you never give up. What ideas, and you've got a long history in this industry, you've seen a lot. What ideas have you seen in the industry that you wish was your own? Wow. <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I, I, uh, I mean, gee, just with what Augie did with, uh, with uh, Life Fitness, you know. The life cycle had been out since the uh, late 60s. Augie got a hold of it in the early 80s. And uh, he struggled with it, but the reality of it is he took that and he built it into a very, very large fitness company, not just a, a bicycle, but now it turned into a, a real fitness company. That was a fantastic idea. Do I wish that I would have come up with that idea? I'm just happy that Augie did, and I'm happy for Augie <laughs> for the success he had. Uh, I look at basically all the different concepts uh, and, I, and and for the people to come up with them and the person, you know, it's just like right now, Zumba is a big thing. I'm happy for them. They're doing well, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's a fad. It'll phase out just like everything else does and so on. But, you know, it's great. It's like curves. They sold curves and the guy made some money off of it. I'm happy for him that he, that he did it. Now, his concept of curves is a ladies' deal. Well, I had that concept, and I, I cashed out, too. And so, I don't know, I, I, I look, I don't really see any one group that I say, wow, they're awesome. It's just, it's just part of business, you know, and, you, and everything's an idea, you know. Yeah. I wish I invented the windshield wiper. I wish that I invented the air conditioner in a car or whatever. You know, you, you, you stumble upon these. And I'm real happy for the people that, that can take something and bring it in and it's accepted by all or a majority. That's a neat deal. I, but I, I really don't say, gosh, I wish I'd have done that. Because I've done so many things that I'm happy with what I did. Yeah. So, how do you yeah. think the uh, how do you think the internet or our the internet world is gonna change our industry over the next ten years? Oh, it definitely will, only because the youth of today is totally hooked to the internet and to electronics and so on. So it'll continue. So social media has taken over the advertising thing. The newspapers are closing their doors. Uh, you know, 40 years ago, you couldn't do without running an ad in the newspaper. So social media has taken over. Each year, it'll have more and more value. Uh, it's like training. There's so many training programs out there uh, that you can really get the knowledge as far as how to use a machine. But I don't think the internet can replace the individual, the enthusiasm of that, that trainer, that instructor. Uh, that's gonna have to, pe people are gonna have to, uh, to keep the enthusiasm in the clubs and so on. Yeah, what's, um, what, looking ahead, what is your key message of advice for the future of the industry. You talk to young people who are getting in, they sort of you, you know, they're you at 20 years old. I, I'm in it and I want to get started. What, what's your key piece, advice, key piece of advice, generally as a businessman, and your key piece of advice looking forward to the future? Yeah, well, I think number one, you have to be honest. And I'm saying honest, not just not 
as far as financial, but you got to be honest with yourself. Uh, as I do a lot of seminars, and honesty is nothing more than every day you got to talk to yourself. You got to look in the mirror. You got to look and know who you're looking at. You got to be honest with yourself. My theory is, is every day look in the mirror and think about what you did yesterday. And if you screwed up yesterday, make sure it's the first thing you do today to overcome that screw up. And then, then you got to plan your day and be honest with what your day is going to be. And uh, and then also, obviously, in, in business, so just be honest with your customers and your surroundings and so on. You got to know your talents. You got to know what your ability is. I know I'm not going to be a brain surgeon. But I know I'm one of the best in the fitness business. So you got to know your talents and stay within your talents. Don't get sidetracked on something you have no idea what you're doing. And that's what a lot of people do. They make their money in the fitness business. The next thing you know, they're investing in things they know nothing about, and then they lose it all. Uh, you got to live with enthusiasm. You got to be very enthusiastic about life in general. And everybody you come and come contact with, you got to be very enthusiastic. You got to have discipline. You got to be determined. You cannot expect to win. You not expect to get up the bat the first time and hit a home run. You have got to be disciplined, determined that you're going to be the best as time goes on. As I said before, don't worry about a problem. You solve the problem. You problems are opportunities. And so most people look at a problem, they quit and they stop because they can't deal with the problem. You got to look at a problem as an opportunity. You got to look eye to eye at people. You do never look down at people. And so often, when a person becomes successful, uh, they lose contact with the ordinary person. Well, the ordinary person is a person who really teaches a lot. And so you look eye to eye with people. You got to assume full responsibility of whatever happens to you. You got to assume it. You can't blame it on anybody else. Because if you, something happens to you, you allowed it to happen. You dropped your guard. It happened. But again, if you assume the full responsibility, you'll do well. You can't link the, you can't cling to the past. You you, you have to uh, move forward. Uh, the past is great. It's great friends. It's things you can laugh about, or whatever, whatever. But don't cling to it, because again, you're going to get lost in the dust. This thing is changing very, very fast. So don't put all your faith in what you did 20, 30 years ago. Put your faith in what you're going to do today. And uh, don't let your possessions possess you. I, this is uh, probably the, the thing that bankrupts most people. they got a great business. They're doing very well. they got some money in the bank. They start spending more money than they're bringing in. Next thing you know, they got all that pressure. You get a little dip in the business. They can't recover from it because they don't have any money. The next thing you know, they find themselves broke. If you don't let that possess you, you'll do well. And then basically, you, you, you've got to... Pray constantly, and and uh, and dreams do come true. So if you, if whenever you stop dreaming, you got problems. You got to dream the future, and uh, because that's that's how everything happens anyway. If you if you believe in your dream, you're going to do well, and that's that's pretty much to me all you got to have. You know, I, I always tell people, you know, the good Lord, he he gave us ten commandments, and uh, all we got to do it. Now the attorneys. They got law libraries trying to dissect the Ten Commandments, but the reality of it is, you want to be a good person, just just go by the good book, and uh, and and you'll do very very well in life. Did you have a um, Did you have a mentor in the industry? Somebody who you could turn to for uh, insight? Uh, well, uh, yeah, a business partner of mine. We've been in business for gosh, forty five years or whatever. Uh, um, uh, is Ken Melby, and uh, we've been we've done very very well for ourselves. Been in the business a long long time. 
And uh, what's crazy is, is after all those years, we never even had an argument. But by us working together, he comes up with ideas, I come up with ideas. We we don't challenge each other. We just work together, and we've had great success in it. In life, my father was the best mentor he was. He wasn't a rich man, but he was filled with knowledge, and he passed it on to me. And uh, Ken Malvey in the business world has been a great mentor to me, and I think I've probably been one for him. Do you think a partnership makes a big difference? I mean, would that be advice that you give to oh, yeah. people coming up to have a partner, or does yep. it, is it individual? Yep. Everything I do, I got a partner. Because when you're, it's only you, you put yourself on an island. You got nobody to turn to. You know, when you're having a great day, you call your your partner up and you, you you talk and have a good time on the phone. If you got a, a problem, you call your partner up and and get another opinion on to what it is. When you're an island by yourself, you can get pretty lonely out there. So yeah, I I'm involved in lots of partnerships, um, good ones and sometimes a bad one. But if it's a bad one, I'm gonna get out of it. Uh, like I say, then the the values that I determine that on is pretty much what I've already said, you know, of uh, the honesty and so on. So, uh, yeah, me, I want to have partners. Um, and that's what I do. Yeah, gotcha. Well, I want to ask you questions. Uh, you, you live and breathe gyms, and you live mm -hmm. and breathe the fitness experience. So I want to do some quick associations and just get a sense of uh, of life within the, the walls of a gym. Um, you can only do one workout every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, I think the easiest workout is isometrics because basically you're going to take a bath or a shower every day. And when you put that towel in your hand, you basically can work every body part just with that towel. So probably uh, the easiest workout and one that you will never miss is nothing more than the isometrics with a towel. Um, you know, obviously take the stairs and instead of the elevator and, and uh, walk fast. Um, those are simple things. If you talk about a gym experience, I think you need more strength training than you do cardiovascular because the older you get, the more you need bone density. Uh, you need strength uh, for posture. And um, you know, the older you get, if you allow your bone density to weaken, uh, you're subject to um, bones breaking and hips and whatever the case may be. So I think uh, strength training is definitely more important than the cardio, but I think you need them both. And uh, that's what we encourage all of our members to do too. So, But, yeah, for me, uh, I think isometrics is the easiest thing for anybody to do because everybody has a bath towel in their hand, hopefully, uh, every day. And it's a good way to work out. Gotcha. What... Uh you talked a great deal about equipment and the influence of mm -hmm. equipment. What's one piece of unique equipment that you think every gym should have? Wow, there's a lot uh, unique. Uh, you know, when uh, when uh, Precor came out with an elliptical, now there's many elliptical, but basically Precor came out with the elliptical movement. That was unique. It, it basically almost took the step business out of business and it's unique. Now, since then, there's some, like the Octane, is phenomenal. I mean, it's basically taken over uh, a lot of the
of the cardio rooms, uh, the octane, the the uh, the arc from Cybex, unbelievable. It was revolutionary, and basically it just launched uh, Cybex. When you go to strength training, I think uh, the, the the a rope machine is a very unique piece. And what a rope machine does, it brings back people's um, from the past when they was in school because basically years ago you had certain things you had to do in gym class. You had to climb the rope. You had to, to uh, do setups. You had to uh, do chin and dips. Um, so you take these things when you bring it, like a, a weight assist chin and dip. You now can take any person and they can do a chin up now. Uh, any person can climb a rope. They're pulling on this rope, but it's bringing back the memories. The, the ab coaster, uh, great machine. Everybody has to work their abs. And they remember all these things when they were young and being laughed at. And, and I've seen people emotional who never in their life did a chin-up, and you can put them on a chin-and-dip machine uh, with weight assist, and they can do a, 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 a chin-up. So, but, wow, anymore, like I say, the equipment companies are so advanced. The knowledge, engineering, the... the, uh, the uh, the medical portion of this equipment, it's grown so massive that, I mean, I can, I can wrap off a whole bunch of equipment, but I think it's all unique. I really do. And it's, each one of them has their own feel and so on. So, for example, in many cases, I might have, let's say, a seat of bench press. Uh, I might have 10 to 12 seat of bench press, one of each, of each manufacturer, because each one has a different feel to it. But gosh, I'll tell you what, I uh, I really think um, they're all doing well. And I buy, I buy everything, so it's it's uh, that's it. Now, when it comes to classes, I mean, it you know, it's it was exercise and music back in the, in the the late '60s, the early '70s. And then Kenneth Cooper brought in the thing called aerobics. Uh, and next thing you know was aerobic classes, and then from aerobic classes went to step classes, and then from step classes it went to uh, you know Taibo and and whatever. So it's that part it just changes. Somebody comes up with a new concept or a new name, it's basically all about the same. Uh, it's all basically the the instructor that's actually demonstrating the class. Uh, that's who's going to create the excitement. The the raw raw raw, and so. As Zumba is very popular today, but if you watch a typical Zumba class, it's a lot of enthusiasm in the class. So that's what's created the success. Is that a product that has never been seen before? Not at all. Uh, it's the they put together a team of people. Uh, they organize that team, and uh, everybody that gives that class, man, they're fired up, enthused, and whatever and it's exciting you know and so i mean gosh the, the the spinning bikes the it just goes on and on uh the industry is always changing it's changing every every trade show there's something new some new idea some make it some don't make it uh, but i can't really say i can't pick out one piece and say this is the greatest thing since popcorn it's, it's there's so many how about and, this it, what's the last thing you saw that made you say, wow, that is so cool. Well, you know, yeah, gosh, the last thing I saw, um, 
but last thing I saw, I go to all these trade shows, uh, you know, things I saw, I'm just going to answer a few of those. Uh, uh, when the Octane first came out, uh, the feel of that, the, the the profile of the machine, that was wow. Put it in the clubs and members go wow. Uh, the Helix uh, is one that's new and, it, and it's a lateral movement and so on. Uh, the members really like it. They go wow. Uh, Octane now has a, a lateral machine, and again, it's a it's an exercise that's, that that uh, is different uh, than anything else that we've had. Uh, uh, gee. Uh, uh, again, that rope machine, uh, uh, Nautilus, uh, they still have a pullover machine. They beefed up the size of the handle, and the members like it better than, than the old style where it was very thin. Um, gosh. Um, oh, uh, Hoist, their, um, their rocket line, phenomenal. I mean, it is a total hit, and it's a number one line of strength training equipment in the club. Uh, that it, the, the members gravitate to. Now, there's a lot of other great equipment, but that rocket line of hoist is, is a, a wow factor because nobody's gotcha. ever felt that movement, you know. So I don't want to, uh, <laughs> you know, like you said before, <laughs> all these guys and these manufacturers, they're always thinking. They're thinking, you know. It, it, it's uh, what's like uh, uh, the... Um, each one of them is thinking all the time about a new product to launch at the, at the trade show to get everybody's attention, you know. Uh, true, uh, they come out with a, a cage for stretching. Awesome piece, awesome piece. Uh, members like that. So, I don't know. I I cannot, I can't just say, wow, what's the best piece I've just seen recently. Every time I go to a trade show, I'm an ooh and awe with all the things there, and it costs me a fortune because I need to get it for the members. <laughs> Ron, this is, this is Hussain. I do have a question I think a lot of people uh, have as well. How fast have you uh, personally driven an IndyCar? Well, I've never driven an IndyCar because I'm my shoulders are too wide and I can't fit in it. But I've driven cars over 200 miles an hour. Um, I've driven stock cars at a, a high rate of speed and so on. I've, I've uh, yeah, I've been fast. <laughs> yeah. And uh, your thoughts on Danica Patrick? Uh, I think she's done a phenomenal job promoting herself. Unbelievable. The best I've ever seen of, of uh, any uh, female athlete. She, without a doubt, did a great job. She's struggling uh, in stock cars right now, and uh, hopefully she can get better. But um, her promotion and how she promoted herself, I think, is the, without a doubt, the very best I've ever seen, and in, in, uh, definitely in motorsports, put it that way. She's a tremendous athlete, and uh, you know she's got the appealing approach. And um, hopefully, uh, she can get a hold of this stock car racing because she needs to start putting down some real good wins or high finishings. And um, she's struggling a little bit with that, but other than that, I think she's done a great job. Um, before before we wrap up here, and I'm going to want to do a quick fire, just word association game, but I'm glad we brought up the indie uh, aspect because it's so important to you and who you are, and, and certainly when you look back on life, it, it means everything. You, you referred earlier to it being a marketing opportunity, 
And I have to imagine that was a really out-of-the-box marketing opportunity. And that's something at MotionSoft, we're constantly trying to talk with people about how do you market in this ever-changing world. Talk to me, just to wrap up here, on why that was a, a marketing opportunity for you. Well, I think basically it's many different things. Number one, we're in the, the business of servicing members and, and so on. We have a large membership base. How do we pull all those members together to be proud of where they belong, what they do? And racing did that. It gave us a great marketing tool to have promotions for our employees, promotions for our members, and also to make them realize they're involved with a big company. Um, for me as an individual, uh, it took me from a, a kid in uh, Ohio uh, who ran some clubs and took me into the international world. And with that, I made connections, a lot of connections uh, with large companies. And I can still remember when we put our name on a car uh, back in 78, and uh, uh, here we were with our name on the car, but all of a sudden here was Budweiser and Pennzoil and, and all these billion-dollar companies, and we're running side-by-side side with them. Instantly, it launched my company into, wow, they must be big. Instantly, I started getting phone calls, how can I bring my clubs into your organization because they wanted that recognition. Instantly, I began to meet chairman of the boards uh, at the racetrack with, with the Levi's and a T-shirt on, uh, totally out of the thing. I can make a phone call or I can stop by somebody's office who is extremely busy. I can walk in there and they'll accept me um, because they knew who I am and so on. So it just separated me from... Uh, you know, most people are known well by uh, the city they live in or the town or the school they went to. In my situation, I put myself uh, um, into the international world uh, very quickly. And then being focused on I was going to win that race, 19 years later, I did it. And But it was a lot of ups and downs and so on. So racing it works very well if you let it work for you. If you do nothing with it, it won't work for you. And for years, we entertain customers uh, and also employees, and they earn rewards. They get to go to the Indy 500 and, and, and this type of thing, or in the in the areas that we race. So, so we race, say, in Long Beach. You could have hospitality there and entertain a group of people. Uh, Life Fitness, they was a sponsor of mine for many years, and they would entertain a group of people, all the people who buy their product. Uh, some of their employees would go to Chicago. We'd race Chicago. They'd have an entertainment thing there. So everybody dis does it totally different. And But again, it's for me, it's the connections I've made to the world and uh, has helped me as I go forward. So uh, thank God I won the race. That way I didn't, I couldn't be looked at as a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that helps. Tell me something, and before, actually even more so before I get to our last thing, tell me something about you that nobody knows. Mm, gosh, I'm a soft touch to my grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm real, real family oriented. I spend the majority of my free time around my family. Uh, I got a, a great wife uh, 
who has given me support uh, through all my adventures. She never put any pressure on me, complained I was never home or whatever. And so uh, I was very fortunate to uh, marry a woman that that believed in me and not put unnecessary pressure on me. Um, my kids are the same. They've, they've you know, they, they support me 100%. And that means a lot because that gives me more determination and so on. So that's, you know, uh, um, I, I guess probably family uh, is the closest thing to my heart. I mean, when it's all said and done, uh, uh, that's what you got. When you're taking that last breath, when you got your family there, uh, you feel pretty good, especially when your family turned out great. Uh, you know, you, you, you really reach the grand prize, you know. So I, I guess family would be, I'm very, very, very close to my family. Excellent. So now I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, we're going to play word association here. I'm going to give you a word, and I just want what, your first word reaction to that word. All right? Treadmill. Running. Member. Asset. Employee. Asset. Retention. Asset. <laughs> Diet. Uh, important. Exercise. Important. Biggest loser. Um, honor. Um, healthcare. Which kind of health? <laughs> Obamacare, I'm against. Uh, healthcare. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I'm against Obamacare, but, uh, uh, healthcare, everybody needs it. Gotcha. Need, we need. fit. Would you say we fit? We fit, yeah. Nintendo <sighs> Wii. Um, a game. <laughs> and uh, gym class. Fun. Fun. Excellent. Ron, just wrapping it up here. Tell me, what's next for you? Uh, good question. Every day's a, a new adventure, so uh, um, I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to keep working. Uh, I'm going to probably die working. Um, the whole world is the next adventure, actually. It's, it's just I'm always looking uh, outside the box, and I think the whole world is an opportunity. And I'm going to uh, focus on uh, doing what I do and delivering the message of what I do uh, to the world. Excellent. Well, Ron, thank you so much. This has been uh, a wonderful conversation. Uh, such a great story. You have such great insight. You've done amazing things in this industry and outside this industry. And it has uh, been an absolute pleasure to have you on our podcast here. Well, thank you. This has been Gym Class Heroes of Fitness.